Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 3 of 7 podcast. We've got a really awesome guest lined up for you today. Mr. Ian Morgan is a Kiwi ultra runner now living in Chile. He travels around the world and runs, and he is a great athlete, very highly competitive ultra runner. But uh, he's so much more than that. He's made a powerful transition in his life, and he has overcome some very difficult situations, and now he is living within his lane, living out his mission, making a huge impact. He's got so many stories, so many great things to say. I hope you love it as much as I did. So that's today's guest, Ian Morgan. All right, the episode today is brought to you, first of all, by Salty Britches. Hi guys, y'all have heard me talk about Salty Bridges before. I got a race coming up this weekend, and you can bet I'm going to have some Salty Bridges on. This is the premier anti-chafing cream on the market, in my opinion. It's the best product that I have used to prevent chafing, blisters, wind burn, whatever, whatever, you name it. You're out adventuring, you're generating heat, and um, you get some hot spots, Salty Bridges is going to take care of it. But before you get those hot spots, go ahead and put your salty britches on and keep the hot spot from ever developing. Yeah, like I say, I'll be using it this weekend at my race. I use it pretty much on a weekly basis for all my long runs. Take a thin layer of salty britches, cover my feet all in between my toes, pull my sock on over top of that. Then I also apply it in all the hot spots that I would usually chafe in. It has had 100% um, success for me. I, I have not had any issues since I've started using this product. I think you'll like it. If you get out an adventure and you want to be more comfortable, get you some salty britches. They, it works, period. And I use it and have used it for multiple hundred plus mile runs. One application. That's all it took. You guys want to order salty britches? Please go to getsaltybritches.com. Also, follow, follow salty britches on Instagram at getsaltybritches. When you go to order yours, they have given us a pro code. Please use it. It's going to give you 20% off your purchase, anything they sell. The pro code for us is three of seven. That's the number three, then lowercase OF. Then the number seven, three, lowercase of the number seven. That's the pro code, 20% off. Go check them out. Use them. Promise you won't be disappointed. Thank you, Salty Britches, for keeping me blister and chafe free. All right, our next sponsor for today's show, very close to my heart, Natural Rapport. This is another product, like most all the other products that we advertise on this show that we use a, in a, on a daily basis in our home. Natural Rapport makes uncomplicated pet essentials. What does that mean? It means everything from dog treats, um, chicken jerky, beef, chicken liver. Uh, they make grooming products, shampoo, ear wipes. I mean, this is literally your one-stop shop to... Take care of your animal on a high level, okay? Because this stuff that's made by Natural Poor, 
I said it was uncomplicated pet essentials. What does that mean? It means it is as close to being raw and as close to nature as possible. So they're not adding a bunch of ingredients to these dog treats and to these products that could potentially harm your pet. They are also all made in the USA, which means something to me. Um, All the treats are single ingredient and... Yeah, the dogs absolutely love them. We, I mean, our dogs are like our family members. We take them everywhere we go. We only give them the best stuff. That's just the way we are, especially Brooke. She's, she is, those are her babies. And if Brooke trusts Natural Poor, I guarantee you, you can. <laughs> so please go check them out. Follow Natural Poor on Instagram at Natural Rapport. That's just N A T U R. N-A-T-R-A, hold on, I'm spelling that wrong, N-A-T-U-R-A-L-R-A-P-P-O-R-T.com. That's their website, naturalrapport.com, or on Instagram, at naturalrapport. They have also given us, as 307 Project listeners, a pro code. It's going to give us 10% off our purchase. It is 3 of 7 Project. That's all caps, the number 3 of the number 7 Project, all caps, That'll give you 10% off of your Natural Rapport products. Great stuff, guys. Awesome ingredients. Safe. They work. The dogs love them. Go check them out. Please support these companies that support this podcast because they really help us out. They support us in all that we do, and they help make this show possible. All right. That's enough from me. Hope you enjoyed today's episode with my man, Ian Morgan, thank you for supporting our podcast on Patreon. It is also a tremendous help and helps this show keep going and helps us generate content and put out the best show that we possibly can. Leave us a review on Apple iTunes Player. We would appreciate that. I'm going to go through some of those reviews in a future episode because there's some really cool stories just in that review section. Sorry about that, guys. All right, here he is, Ian Morgan. Enjoy it. The the earthquake was one of the first steps, and that took me so far. This moment made me realize I actually only had one life to live. I had one shot. Mm. That's it. Yep. And when I realized, I mean, when I say that, one life as me. If you're a Buddhist, you might believe you come back as something, whatever you want to call it. One life as me. I have one shot. And they say, there's a saying that says, your second life begins when you realize you only have one life. So Ian, welcome to the 307 podcast, man. I'm so thankful uh, that you've taken the time out of your day to come on here and chat with me, brother. I'm, I'm really fired up about this conversation. There you are. Awesome. There we are. Yeah, I got it right. Okay, video. Yeah, just lurking. Excellent. Yeah, yeah, brother. I've uh, I've been digging into kind of your story, man, and um, listening to some other podcasts with you that you've that you've been a guest on, and you know, looking over your Instagram page, and I just absolutely, I'm sold on your message, man. Your message is uh, right now, man, and anytime, anytime is the message that the world needs to hear, brother. So uh, not only thank you for your time, 
that you're spending with us. But thank you for what you do every single day with your platform, man. It's absolutely amazing. Look, uh, I, I really appreciate it, man. Uh, and it comes from the heart. I'm a flawed, normal human being, just like everybody else out there. I get things wrong. I make mistakes. And I try to be as honest. Obviously, I don't tell you everything, but I try to be as honest as I can about about my journey and what I'm learning. And it is. It's a learning curve, you know? Yeah, it really is, brother. It really is. I love that, man. And it's always good to, uh, to I think, to show a little bit of the the bad along with all of the good, to show the bad days, the days that you're out on a run and, you know, you've got, you may have intentions to do uh, 20 miles that day, but you get out there and your body's just telling you, no, it's just not going to happen <laughs> yeah. today. And it, I think people lose sight of just listening to their body, man. And then, um, and so it's good for guys like me and you to show a little bit about that that man and what that actually means so i agree with you 100 i want you to know it's so good to hear that kiwi accent booming uh booming through my headphones dude that's awesome and it's it's kind of a, a little bit mixed up now because I, I travel so much but um yeah it's it's still there it's still there well let's dig in man um <clears throat> You know, the three of seven podcast, we are three of seven is all about body, soul, and spirit. So we won't talk all about running. We'll go down other avenues. I've got some questions that have been on my heart that I want to ask you. And, um, but, but we'll dig into running too. So we'll just, uh, we'll just run, go through it and, and let it flow. I want to ask you first, man, what was it like growing up in New Zealand, brother? I've always wondered because it's such a beautiful place. There's so many, there's so much to explore. There's so much, a sense of just community and just beautiful people with beautiful hearts. What was that experience like growing up in New Zealand? Yes, uh, interesting question. Uh, It it was certainly, um, you're right. The things you said, it is a very beautiful country. Uh, The people are amazing there. It's a very small country and it's tucked away at the, well, I guess if you look at a map, it's the bottom of the world. But, uh, you know, in the grand scheme of the universe, we're, it's on the on the globe that spins through space. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a very beautiful country. I mean, I grew up in the 70s uh, as a kid and in the 80s as a teenager. So a completely different era to, to the one we're in today. Um, but, yeah, it was probably a much more... Uh, innocent time in some ways, and that might be because it's through the eyes of a child, and and, and you know, um, and and it had its own challenges too. I did have a very difficult start to my life and my childhood. I don't really talk about it on Instagram. It, it's it's stuff, but I'm I'm trying to share with people when I try to tell my story, and I will put it in a in a book or or uh, some form one day, so people don't just say, well. You're just like a, uh, like a, uh, like a guy from a country that has everything, and it's you know you had a mother and a father, and and you know you're ahead of like the curve, and and yeah, I was in a lot of ways, but there's some also some pretty dark stuff there that was was like devastating for me as a kid, and I want to share that with people to show that your past and the things that happened don't equal where you are now and where you're going. Mm. You can use them as fuel. You can use them as, as, as a way to change. And 
and learn and grow, you know. But yeah, New Zealand is a very beautiful place. It will always be the place I was born. Um, I have um, still have some of my family there. Um, some have travelled and have gone overseas. But yeah, it, it's it's a beautiful country. It is. And were you able as a child, and I kind of heard you talk before, Ian, you know, as a child there, again, there's so much to explore. Would you kind of consider that the the kind of the start of maybe uh, you finding your passion for running? I mean, did you get out in the hills? Did you get to explore? Was that a part of your childhood growing up? And how important was that to you now? Yes, for sure. I think I've told the story in my Instagram before that when I was a kid, um, we sort of lived on the edge of the city. And at the time, over we lived next to a small stream. Over the stream, there was a field with horses in it. There was a field that grew flowers, for like a commercial flower growing enterprise. And then behind that, like um, maybe 500 meters up the road, so, so um, there was like the hills behind, um, so the port hills. So I would spend... My, I spent most of my young years exploring those hills um, and going into the mountains too, further inland. Um, so that that was, I, I think I mentioned in one of my stories, I, I on my Instagram that that the hills were my escape. This was my, like I said, you know, I had some issues. The hills were my safe place. It's where I went. I was happy. I was safe. I, I felt free. And I think that feeling stayed with me all my life, despite all the other things that kind of piled on top at various times. There was always that feeling of freedom and and happiness and joy. I mean, even talking about it now, I remember um, as a kid feeling the sun on my face and 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 running and, and exploring these hills with caves and trees and forests and yeah. So so. That's had a massive influence on on where I'm at now. Mm-hmm. I guess what's happened though is rather than just being my backyard, the world has become my backyard, and, and I carry that feeling no matter where I go. So people say, "Do you miss home?" And I miss the people at home that, that that I care about. That that's you know, but I mean, technology has made massive gains in communication now, obviously, but it's not the same. But I think wherever my heart is um, and what I love to do or I'm passionate about or my, my purpose and my goal is where my home is. And I, I consider the world my home, if, if you know what I mean, rather than just one country. That's such a cool outlook, man. I've, I've never heard anybody really take it with that perspective. I mean, that's it's a really cool outlook. And, and if you can shift your lens to – uh, view the world as your home, as you say, Ian, man, that really broadens your horizons, man. And I think it takes the fear away from going out and exploring new places and traveling. And if you're like, man, this is this whole creation, this whole world is my home. I mean, that's a really cool concept, brother. And I really like what you said a minute ago about um, taking those, those dark parts of your past or taking things that have happened in the past and being able to use them not only as fuel, but to help other people that might be going through the same struggle. You know, there's so many things that I think we all go through in life that um, because of society's opinions, we're ashamed of them, man. And, you know, yes. I was just talking about, I was just talking to a buddy of mine the other day, Ian, and he was saying, you know, it, he, he was talking about, um, he he was he struggled with addiction to pornography 
And you know, that's something that could be, that's something that for a lot of people could be embarrassing, but he's, he has now flipped his lens on that to where he's like, holy smokes, I can use this story now to help other people that are struggling with this same uh, situation. And I cannot wait to hear your story one day when you put it out on whatever platform you decide to put it out on, because I know it's going to make an amazing impact, brother. And that's just such a piece of wisdom that everybody, I think, listening to this show can take with them from this point forward. Thanks, man. Yeah, I I think it's interesting you made the point about your friend that was like addicted to pornography. I, I think in this world, everything is now available at the at the swipe of a thing or the click of a button. And 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 it's brilliant. It's a it's an amazing tool to connect with people in a way that we've never been able to connect before. But it's also an amazing uh, it's also a, a, a very has a very negative connotations is it also allows us to disconnect from the human world completely yep. and just focus on what's on the screen. And I think if we can combine the two, we can we can truly make such massive uh, a massive impact in in our own lives. Not uh, not to change the world in any way, shape, or form, but change the way we see the world within ourselves. So yeah, you know, um, there's a lot of issues out there, and we all have them. I'm I'm certainly not going to pretend that I have got the answers. I am the opposite of having the answers, but. What I am learning is that each day I can have the lessons, I can try to figure out what those lessons mean to me and accept them. Kind of like clouds passing by. You know, life has these lessons. They come, they stay with us for a bit and they go. Sometimes they're thunder, storm clouds. Sometimes the clouds clear and we get sun. But they always pass and that just keeps, you know. So, yeah, I I think... um, it's an interesting concept uh, to to look at your past and then try to learn what you need to learn from it. And I'm not saying sometimes just bad stuff happens. A hundred percent, brother. And you just nailed another another thing right now. And I'm going to sidetrack a little from the progression of your life. Um, I'm going to sidetrack just to hit this that you just mentioned. You mentioned um, how technology has advanced and how we have everything now at the touch of our finger and social media. And and we have really a global, globally connected community. And I just want to take a little sidetrack because this is a question I really wanted to ask you, Ian. You know, you've got you've got a, a, a fairly good following on social media. You're very active with your message. Um, and, and so how have you, you talked about bringing um, those those, I guess, assets together and, and using those things to, uh, in turn, make a positive impact on our world and our society. How have you managed that in your own life, man? Not only how have you brought those together, but how have you managed not being sucked into that completely and still getting out and living life? You know what I mean? Because you, I know it's a full-time job to, yeah. to create, and that's kind of a two-part question. Um, you can answer however you want, brother. Okay. Well, um, firstly, yeah, how, how have I stopped it like sucking me in and to become just like, I've got to post, I've got to get this, I've got to get that, you know, this, this becomes to, to base our self-worth on the number of followers or the number of likes or the number of comments. 
or how many people find us attractive or if the lighting's right or if we say the right things will get become more popular is not to embrace our humanity. I've learned in the last few years, certainly, that when I embrace my flaws, my errors, my mistakes, and it's all its natural rawness, I guess, and, and I'm not going to, like, tell everybody everything. I'm not going to, you know, like, you don't, people don't need to know everything about me, and that's my personal stuff too. Yeah. But I think to show that it's okay for humans, men and women, to be um, vulnerable, to be strong, to be um, conflicted, to make mistakes, to sometimes do the wrong thing, to sometimes do the right thing. It's actually okay because we all do it. There's no one that is above anyone else and there's no one that's below. We're all on our own journeys. We're all learning. So I think that doing it in my own life and practicing it and then posting about it, it allows me to, to like learn. I don't do the posts, but everyone thinks I'm doing the post to share something with the world. I'm actually doing it so the world comes to me and I, I can like learn the lessons from, from the people like yourself interviewing me, like people that leave me messages, that people that send me stories about their own lives or of all, oh, you wouldn't believe the amount of messages I get each day. This is the thing that gives me hope for humanity, that that we're all hurt at times. We're all struggling with, with where we fit and what we're going to do. And we don't sometimes have the answers. And sometimes we, we've got it all together and things are just going so well. I love the human condition. And this is what this technology has allowed, I think, not just me, but a lot of people in the world to do. However, a lot of people use it to shut themselves off from the world too. And that concerns me because you can't live through this all the time. You can use it as a tool to connect to communities, to people, to, to all sorts of different things. And it's a great tool for me. It's allowed me to become, to make a lifestyle out of this. Um, it's allowed me to meet uh, people from everywhere. However, it is not a life. This is not a life. What I feel in here, what goes on up here, what I feel in my body, that's a life. This is just a tool to help me live my life it doesn't rule my life gosh a hundred percent brother and you know you you talked about how if you if you judge your success or your self-worth by the interaction that you get from this little tool right here that is so that's empty man it's going to leave you empty every single time and you may not, you know, some people that, that don't have an audience or, or a platform the size of yours, they may not believe that, but it is no. the truth. It is, we, it, Ian is speaking truth to you right now. If that's something that you're struggling with in your life, just forget about it, man, because it is an empty thing. It is a tool that, again, like Ian said, we can use in this life not only to put out our stories, but to learn from other people and build our hope in humanity. What an awesome lens on on the whole social media thing, Ian. Cool, man. Thank love you. It, brother. I love it, man. All right, so we'll get back on track. I really enjoyed that part of our conversation. I think that's something that needs to be heard more often 
uh, than it is heard. Um, so back on track. So growing up in New Zealand, that childhood, and then you obviously you transition at some point, brother, into um, looks like you go to school, you studied engineering, um, yeah. worked a few different jobs, and then you transition kind of into an entrepreneurship space. Um, did that yeah. be, did that really become your life at that point? Is that what you focused your energy on? Yes, yes. So I, I got um, I had got married and had kids very young. Uh, way too young. I, I was still dealing with a lot of issues from my childhood, and and my ex-wife at the time was too. And it was just a, just you know, it, it was what it was. Um, we fell in love. We had kids, and and that you know, we went through that whole thing. And I, I was married for just over twenty years, I think, twenty-one years. Wow. So, so you know, it's like we 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 did work at it, and we we tried. Um, ultimately. A, a series of things led to that ending. Um, and I've explained some of those things actually in, in my Instagram, not about that side of it, because that's my relationship with someone else that's, that's not subject to social media. And it's not yeah. fair yeah. tell my, my version of the story. And there's, there's always two, you know? So yeah, I, I went to entrepreneurship. I, we were struggling at the time. I think it was the nineties, no early two thousands. And there would just been the Asian crisis. There was a recession Work was tough. We were struggling to pay our bills. Um, and I decided to, we had to buy another house because we were having another baby. And we bought another house. Uh, well, actually, it was not early 2000s. It was late 90s, wasn't it, at that point, come to think of it. Um, and we, we bought one and we couldn't sell the other house because there was a recession, but the bank lent us the money because we managed to get enough together from both of us working. And then I thought, wow, someone's paying me money to live in this other house. So I thought, okay, so I should buy maybe another house because houses were cheap then. So I went to the bank and they lent us some money. We bought another house and lo and behold, we started to buy houses. At some point, I started to figure out that the houses were making me more money than my job. So I quit my job. Yep. <laughs> so, um, and that sort of led to some property stuff. I did some work with some developers. I did some work with like presenting property seminars for a bit. Uh, did some property trading, and and that went well. But the more money I got, and the more things, and the more like comfortable I seemed to get, the less happy I became with, with who I was. Because uh, I mean, I learned the lesson the hard way that the accumulation of things and stuff didn't bring happiness. And uh, man, that was a hard lesson to learn because. On the outside, I had cars in the drive. I had mountain bikes. I had kayaks. I, I, I could go on holiday. I could buy the latest phone every year. I, I, had, I wasn't rich, but I was comfortable, you know? Yep. And it was killing me. Man, that's powerful, brother. Uh, two things I took from that, uh, the first being your, your entry into that entrepreneurship space and how – this, that is the process, is starting small. Anybody that wants to get into the entrepreneurship space, it starts small with the resources that you have available to you in that moment. And then yes. you have to allow it 
to build upon itself. Don't think that you're going to enter the game uh, like like if Ian would have thought, well, for me to get into this, um, you know, real estate or or, or rental uh, space, I've got I've got to have ten houses. I've got to have a million dollars, you know, accessible right off the bat. That's not the way it works. You've got to start off small utilize your resources, and then let it grow and work at it and work at it. And I think that's one of the things, man, that keeps so many people that are stuck in a job that they don't enjoy and they feel stuck because they become overwhelmed when they look outside of that you know, career and they think, how am I ever going to get the ball rolling yes. uh, with whatever it may be that I'm passionate about, whatever business I want to be in, space I want to be in. And uh, they become overwhelmed, so they never step over that edge. You know what I mean? So solid lesson right there, brother. Um, yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, and um, and then too, you know, that uh, to me, that accumulation of wealth lesson really resonates with me, man. I'll tell you a quick story, and this is your interview, so I just want to tell my story real quick. When I when I graduated SEAL training, um, I grew up fairly poor. Um, you know, I had clothes and food and this and that, but never never a lot of excess. And uh, when I graduated SEAL training, they uh, they dropped forty thousand dollars into my bank account the day after I graduated. And man, wow. I thought, I thought, man, I'm set. Like, I don't need anybody. <laughs> I don't need, I don't. And I blew through that 40 grand in about six months seeking yes. happiness. I was seeking happiness. I was buying all those things, you know, maybe on a little smaller scale, but that you were talking about cars, motorcycles, bikes, all those things, just seeking that happiness. And man, it just never filled me up, brother. It never filled me up. We have to, yeah. would you agree we have to have a mission? We have yes. to have that. If we don't have a purpose in life, uh, and I uh, and I say this as humans, I don't think it's a. I'm not saying it's an alpha male or a female or whatever thing. As human beings, we need a purpose. We need a a, a mission, a, a directive, a cause, uh, a passion, and all of those things combined. And I think even reaching that. I think there's no such thing as an end game. I think it starts when you're born and it finishes when you die, and that is the game you're playing. If you say, I, I want that Ferrari or I want that thing, and you get it, it, it brings an amount of satisfaction, yes, for sure. But you'll see the world's most successful or the world's happiest people play the game until they die. They could stop working. They could stop doing lots of things in, in regards to some of the wealthier people, but they don't because they love the purpose. And I think when we lose or don't, we haven't found it or we don't chase something and we just go to work to pay bills and are in a relationship because we're meant to be there or we're stuck there because whatever, there's a million different reasons, yeah. we lose our purpose. And people put all these things in front of their, their vision or their purpose. They, they put the responsibilities of life, I guess. And I'm not saying don't pay your bills, don't just leave your partner because you have a fight. And I'm not suggesting any of these things. What I'm saying is we we stop putting our purpose and our vision in, uh, in front of ourselves and chasing it. Now, all the other things will come from that because if you're passionate and you pursue the things you want, um, 
you will draw the people into your life that want to be there. You will draw the resources into your life that are going to help you chase that. And I'm not saying it's just going to happen. There's no magic fairy that waves a wand and everything comes to you. No, it doesn't work that way. But your purpose or your passion and your vision is the thing that you will drive through no matter what is happening, you will keep working at it. You will get up each day. You know yourself being a SEAL. You had a mission, and the, the, the job was to complete that mission. And it was by any means possible and the resources available to you to do that. So you learned that it's not always easy. It's going to be tough, and, and things are going to come. People are going to come, and people are going to go. And, but you still have a mission to complete and a purpose. Yep. And I think that's super important. Yeah, and you're exactly right. If if you if you take the initiative at least to step across that threshold and chase your purpose, it's almost a law of nature that those yeah. those resources that you need will all of a sudden just start to come. You're, you're going to meet people that you should have never met. You're going to exactly. find opportunity where you, you, you never saw it coming. And it's all a byproduct of you choosing to chase that purpose and to accomplish whatever your mission is. It's, it's just like a law of nature. You can't even explain it, man. People, people won't even freaking believe this. It's like you just have to go do it and, and see how it works, man. The same, I, yeah, I had the same experience, man. When I retired from the SEAL teams, it was like I, that mission for me was over. That purpose yep. was over. And, dude, I went through probably uh, two months where I didn't have a mission, and I got, I got in a pretty dark place, man. And that was one of the biggest epiphanies in my life is you talk about the human condition. You talk about us as humans. That is one of the most essential ingredients is having that mission and having that purpose. And I know you understand that, brother, because you're living your mission. You're living your purpose right now. Look, totally. And and the thing is, is I want to explain to people, living your purpose isn't the key to you being happy and successful all the time. You can be happy and successful without chasing your purpose as well. However, people, what people do is they chase the wrong purpose. They chase a relationship. They chase having kids. They chase the house or the, the, the material possessions, like we said. They chase a career maybe. And then when those things leave their life, because they always do, nothing is permanent in life. Don't, don't, yeah, there's not a negative thing. Don't get me wrong, but we live in a world of change and it's constantly changing and adapting and growing. And that's okay. But when we say, for instance, our kids are our purpose and the kids grow up and they leave and they go and do their own thing, then you find a lot of um, people that raise their kids and made them their purpose all of a sudden feel lost and empty because their purpose is gone. They didn't have themselves as the purpose or their passion as the purpose. Their kids were their passion. You can love your kids. There's nothing wrong with loving your kids and making them your priority in life. It's, 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 a, it's like you said, it's hardwired into us as humans and, and most animals in the animal world is raising their young, but, but there comes a point where they will go, and if you don't have something else for you that's your vision or purpose, then it, it's not so easy. Same with a spouse or a, or a partner. You know, you put everything into it. I see this mistake 
happens so many times with, with in life is you can love someone and they can come in and they can go from your life. And that doesn't mean you didn't, you stop loving them. You can still love them, but your passion and purpose is the thing that you're pursuing. And people are drawn to that. And some people stay for the whole journey and some people don't. That's okay. But when you look to someone else or something else for happiness and purpose, that thing can be taken away in an instant. And that's something I've learned uh, with earthquakes, with with divorce, with relationships, with with with, with um, you know partners, with with family, with friends, um, with, with toys, with with anything. So find your purpose that that is your thing, and that can change. That's okay. Like you said, it, it might have been for you being a member of the SEAL team, doing that, doing your mission, fulfilling that part of your life, and then. Your purpose can change. That's okay. It doesn't have to be the same for your life. Yep. Well, you you just nailed it. Like a, there's like a distinctive line there between, um, it, it, and you said it so clearly, finding your purpose in something other than yourself and finding your actually your purpose for yourself. So for yes. me, that was what was happening in my journey uh, with the SEAL teams, this brotherhood, this this title, this thing. Um, I was finding my purpose, again, in something outside of myself. I didn't do anything that Chad wanted to do. Nothing. Like, that was my life, man. And so that that was that's why I had that fall because uh, you know I, I didn't have that thing within me that purpose for Chad that fills me up that makes me feel full and that's never and that that I'm in control of it can't yes. if it's if it's if it's your purpose for yourself you're in control of that it can't just walk off and leave you you know yes. you, you know it's deep rooted within your heart man. This is the thing, and and you like I, I I like to liken the analogy you've used with your with being in the SEAL team, and then lose that purpose changed. It ended. You then didn't fall out of love with that time of your life. You still have those connections with the people that you were with. Uh, you still have amazing memories of that time of your life. You went into it with passion and purpose and drive and and, and love or partnership or comradeship or whatever you want to call it. And when you left it, it's still there today. There's still connections there. It, it didn't end. All as it was is, is that is the driving purpose of your life changed. That's powerful, uh, brother. Right. Yep, yeah. that's powerful, man. I want to move into real quick, Ian. You mentioned uh, you mentioned the earth, earthquake there in Christchurch, and um, yes. of course, you know I'm I'm familiar with the um, this the the whole scenario because I've spent quite a bit of time over in New Zealand and uh, very close to um, quite a few people over there. I mean, they they are my family. I tell them I love them just like I tell my mother or my brother or my wife. And uh, so I, I want to know though that I think that that had to be a a defining moment in your life. Um, what was it about that situation, about that um, disaster, that kind of sh- did that shift or change anything for you that moment? Yes, in fact, I, I would uh, say that that was probably one of the key points of my journey to where I am now. Um, I, I, we had some properties, we lost some in the earthquake. The one I was actually in, living in, and I was sitting in at the time of the earthquake collapsed. Uh, not completely. The roof came down, it split into like three pieces, two-story house. 
Um, but like the ceilings fell on me, the the plates and everything flew out the drawers, and it was a mess, you know. Wow, man. Um, um, and I was lucky I managed to get out with only like scratches and, and scrapes. So it was just sheer dumb luck because uh, the houses further along the, uh, in the area collapsed and some people died. And it's, you know, like who knows? It's, it's the luck of life, I yeah. guess, or the, how, how the dice roll. Um, so yeah, that had a massive impact and it wasn't so much the quake and the, and the, uh, and the quake, the ongoing quakes. We had a series of them over that sort of six months. Um, but it was the after effects, the, the, I guess the, the trauma of it, um, of like dealing with insurance companies, trying to get the money, trying to like figure out how to make an income while everything was on hold and we were waiting for insurance payouts because it's still ongoing in New Zealand. It's been in Christchurch. It's been an issue, um, for many years because it was such an unprecedented disaster for that country at the time. Anyway, probably a few years afterwards, the stress was just massive on me. Um, I was struggling with my relationship at the time. I, we'd separated a few times, got back together. And, and you know, the kids were struggling. They'd lost a couple of schools. Um, they had to move twice. And it was just like a, a very stressful, financially difficult time. We were in a court case with the government over some, some earthquake stuff that um, – that, that I decided to like step up and, and take on and it was like just crazy looking back now. But um, there were some principles involved and I, I just feel strongly, I uh, felt strongly about it, I guess. Anyway, I remember sitting on the couch one night um, in the house we were staying in the rental and watching TV and I was having a beer and I was overweight, I was stressed, I was unhappy in, in so many aspects of my life. And for some unknown reason, uh, I, I sat there and I'm not even watching the TV. It's just like a noise. Yeah. And I sat there and I put the beer down and I thought, that when was the time in my life when I was felt free, when I felt happy, when I was in the moment and not there wasn't this noise, this burden. It felt like I was carrying the world. Um, and and I know ultimately it wasn't. It was my reaction to it. But anyway. Uh, I remember being that kid in the hills running, like I said to you earlier in the interview, um, feeling the sun on my face, feeling free. You know, maybe part of it was an escape mechanism. It was feeling safe in somewhere that was away from all the problems in my life. And and I remember I put the beer down and I said to my ex, um, I said, I'm, I'm going to go for a run. And I was wearing like jeans and a, like a polo shirt or a you know, I don't know, it's not running stuff and some <laughs> bands, sneakers or something like that. Yeah. I said, I'm going for a run. And she just was like, what? It's crazy. And laughed at me or something. I can't remember the exact words, but like, you don't run, you don't do anything, you know. <laughs> um, and I just said, I, I just, this, it's like there was this fog in my head of everything. And then it's like the sun broke through and said, do this. It's, it's almost like being hit by an electric shock. Something just hit my head and said, do this or my heart or my whole body said, you have to do this. There was no choice. There was no like, well, that's a crazy thought. I was compelled to do it. And I got up and I went out the door and I ran down the road and I just about died. I was sweating. Have you ever tried running in jeans? Uh, and I think I got about a mile. I uh, did like a loop and uh, I was like, 
chafing and, you know, imagine like some overweight guy that doesn't do anything doing this and then um, and I got back and, and it, it was, it's like the some switching clicked. It said, this is, this is it. This is your purpose. This is your path. This is, I don't know what it's going to look like. It might just be to run a 5K at the local park, you know, yeah. the park, park run or whatever they call them. And that was it. That just has taken me here. That one thing, well, a number of things, but that one point was probably the first turning point. That Yeah, that defining moment. And the way you describe that, Ian, is, uh, dude, that is a, that, I mean, that just gave me chills, dude, describing how it, just like you said, it was almost like lightning that you just, there was no choice. Um, no. You, you just knew somehow that you had to, to go out and do this thing. And a moment like that, I know that you've reflected back on that moment. Um, I know that you, you've, you've turned that from every angle in your head. Do you have any idea where that came from, man? And, you know, we, so we talk a lot about spirit. We talk a lot about spiritual things, something bigger than ourselves. Where, Where did that, because that is a crazy moment that has in turn led you into your purpose and your dream. Have you fleshed yeah. that out, man? What's your uh, what's your opinion on that? Yeah, look, uh, I, I'm. I mean, as we get further in the story, we will talk about the heart side of things and, and whatever. But I guess it's the same thing. Is is it's whether you call it uh, whatever experience you want to describe it as, whether whether you whatever religion or belief system you hold, there was some form of something energy atoms, uh, God, if you call it, God in yourself, God outside yourself, uh, uh, Buddha, I don't know what you want to call it, anything, you know, um, Allah, I don't know. It's whatever way you define the spiritual energy in the world. I, I'm not a, like a, a, on a particular um, thing with any of them. I believe they're actually all the same. I think we just express them differently as humans, just like all things in life, my personal opinion. It's not to call, create any discord with anyone else. Hey, that's all. However, that's all I wanted. This is a safe place, brother. You talk about yeah. whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, for sure, man. And yeah. you know, like to be honest, I think it's good to have honest and strong opinions as, as as anyone in life and express them because that's actually expressing who you are as a human. Um, not everyone has to agree or disagree, and that's okay as long as it's done out of kindness and love. I believe. Yes. Not out of a place of hate or fear. Anyway, um, something hit me, and and that's happened a few times since in my life. And to ignore that is at your own peril. I think when something gives you that strong a message, I, I couldn't have said no. Put it that way. This was the feeling. It was not like a voice over here saying, hey, you should do this. Well, no, you don't do that. You just do this. No, no, no. This was like, I would liken it to this, tapping someone on the shoulder, tapping someone on the shoulder, tapping someone on the shoulder for years and saying, hey, hey, you should do this. You should try this. You should go in this direction. And you don't listen. There's all this noise around. Then one day a baseball bat hits you from behind and it's like, shit, where did that come from? But all the time it's been tapping you on the shoulder and, and, and whispering to you. And I think that, that that's what happened. I think 
It was a metaphorical baseball bat. Obviously, maybe it even caused a bit of brain damage. I don't know because I'm doing some crazy stuff nowadays. But anyway, um, that's what I liken it to. So you can call it what you want. But, yeah, certainly it was a, a spiritual life, energy, universal experience for me. And and I, I really can't, I think, to, to try and do justice to explaining it in a, in a human way, I can't do it justice. And I can't really do it justice with words. It, it basically just is what it is. And it happened. And I, would, I had the ability at that point to listen. And I think it happened from when I was born. I think it was always there waiting. And it, that was just the opportunity it needed. Yep. Yep. No, perfect way to describe it, man. And you can't, and, and that's the thing, Ian, when you're talking about something like that, that's, that's bigger than yourself. So we, we literally can't grasp the intricacies of it and our language cannot describe uh, how powerful that moment is. I mean, I totally, totally get you on that, man, for sure. And thanks for sharing that with us, man. That's a really, really powerful testimony and part of your story, brother. It really is. And people need to pay a, pay attention to that. Like like Ian said, dude, when those things happen, pay attention to them and, and write them down. That's what I do. When I have those moments in my life have been few and far between. Um, it yeah. doesn't happen every day. But when those things happen, I think it's very important shortly thereafter to write it down, to make it clear, make the vision clear before you because as you go through life these moments they tend the the edge wears off of them and you might start doubting what that but if you write it down man you can go back and say no this is what it was this is the way i felt and i am on the right path yeah and i want to make it quite clear that it scared the absolute hell out of me i was terrified because i hadn't experienced something so strong that felt so right. And I had absolutely no answers as to where it was going to take me. And that is really scary as a human who thought they had everything figured out at that time of their life and then realized they didn't. I bet it was, brother. I bet it was. I mean, that's a big change of direction for you. And so you go out, uh, you go out on your first run, you respond to that call and you go out on that first run. And, um, I, I think again, we'll point back to the principle of starting small. You didn't yeah. have a pair of running shoes. You didn't have the best running clothes. You didn't know where to, you just went out your door. You put your beer down, went out your door and you started small in response yeah. to your new purpose. And yes. man, these principles are just—they just go run throughout your story. They're just so solid, man. And so, where that—that that was your first run. What was? And so, where did that lead you? What it? What was the progression from there? Obviously, like you said, it puts you in a place where you just are experiencing this this freedom and this this that you had been longing for, and this yeah. weight lifts off of you. And running has an awesome ability to do that for human beings. I think it's it's a very powerful tool. But what was the progression from there, brother? Because you are you went far and beyond that one setting your beer down and running that first mile, man. Yeah, you could say I, I did uh, embrace it fully. Um, yeah, and and I'd like to make a point that that you just brought up. You said you started to do this, and the weight start was started to lift from me. Let me just let let me just let other your listeners know and other people know that that it doesn't. 
you can't run away from your problems you, or your burdens or your responsibilities or your choices. Um, those things are still there. But following your purpose allows you to accept that they're going to be okay no matter what happens and you can deal with it better. Mm. Um, I, I, I think that's probably a, a fair way to explain it. But anyway, so what I did is, is the advice that I give everyone now and that I say in my Instagram posts and that I say on my lives and that I say in my stories and that I tell people in person and on podcasts and, and whatever media or format I'm in is consistency. Consistency is the key to achieving things. I didn't go out, run for six months, and all of a sudden I had sponsors and followers and, and I went off and saw the world. No, it didn't work that way. Yeah. But I didn't. I knew my purpose and I knew that it was going to be hard. I didn't look to what was going to be in five years or, or what it was going to be in 10. I, I didn't get that far ahead. I kept it in the day. I got up. I did what I needed to do. I learned as I went. I learned about the gear I needed. I learned about the food I needed. I learned about the um, things I needed to do for my body to get stronger, uh, the things I needed to do for my mind to get stronger. And the things I needed to do in my life to follow this purpose. And some of those things were incredibly painful, letting go of outcomes, letting go of relationships, letting go of personal beliefs that had it got me to where I previously was. And there's always a price to pay for following your purpose or your vision. And, and, I think people get the wrong idea when they see an Instagram with a guy on a mountain somewhere and doing this and traveling and, and meeting amazing people and doing amazing things. There is a huge amount of hard work and sacrifice and loss that goes into this. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Yep. However, it, it, it's also part of your journey and to not embrace it fully is so dangerous to your own like person to your spirit to your to your belief and i'm not suggesting i get this all the time ian what do you think i love to have your lifestyle but i'm married and i have kids and i have a mortgage and i have a business and i have this and you had all those and now you've gone from all that and you're doing this and i want the simple life do you really you know you what is your purpose it's not mine it's not what you see i do is not perfect for everyone that's why so few people do it because it is it's a lifestyle that's chosen me more than me choosing it, I guess. Um, so, so yeah, I just consistency was the key at the start for the first few years, couple of years, probably consistency. And through consistency, I learned discipline. I learned discipline with eating. I learned discipline with thinking. I learned discipline with action. Uh, and I learned that motivation and inspiration and, 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 and supplements and, and, and running gear and all that absolutely made no difference. It was the, the, the consistency, the discipline to get up, the consistency to keep going when you didn't want to and to keep moving forward. I, I say this often in my posts, one foot in front of the other, breathe in, breathe out, and keep moving. I love it, brother. And that consistency and discipline, those are two staples even in our ethos in the SEAL teams, man, those are two staple uh, attributes that you have to develop in order to be successful within your lane. 
And you talk about consistency, Ian, and even I, I, I subscribe to the same program. People talk about, they want to talk training. People want to talk training all the yeah. time. Like it's just some complicated thing. And and consistency is the key component. Yeah, there's a lot of little things that you can change in there and and, and do this and that to re- when, when you get to the level that you're on and you're really on that cutting edge. That's the only place that really all those little micro changes changes make a difference is when you're trying yes. to shave minutes off, um, you know, of a, say a hundred K or 50 K yes. course. But, um, that consistency I value in my own training, waking up and running every day more than I would rake, waking up and running three times a week, uh, yes. you know, 50 K at a shot. If I can run every day, whatever, four to eight miles, that to me is, again, points back to consistency. And I feel like you get more value from that than any other training program out there. Agreed. Agreed. Because I think, uh, like you just mentioned, most people want to know the diet, the gear, the training plan, the, the the how, you know, there's a million books on how to, there's not many books on why or, or, or action. You know, it's, it's like, how to do this? One, two, three, four. But it's it's you know get rich, be better in relationships, be a better athlete, be I don't know whatever you want to be. But there's not many books on purpose or passion. There's a lot of books on how to, and that's why there's all these how to books. And people say, oh, how can I be a better runner? How to be a better runner? Why do you want to be a better runner? There you go, what, brother. You know, there you go. I love it, man. And, and you're, so you're on this journey, man, and you found your new passion, but you hit a pretty significant, uh, I don't even know. I don't want to call it roadblock, maybe mountain obstacle. So there's, there's this thing that gets placed in your way and it, it resonates with me because I had a, I had a similar thing that was placed in my way and I had to go in and have, uh, my heart worked on a little bit before I could proceed with my own passion. And that's, what's so cool about your story and the obstacle that you faced. And, uh, you know, would you tell us that story real quick, man? Yeah. Well, um, okay. Basic story is uh, heart disease and heart issues are in my family. Um, my both my grandparents on my mother's side died before I was born uh, of massive heart attacks. Both my parents had heart issues, pacemakers, heart disease, irregular heartbeats, various heart issues throughout their life. Um, I have a twin sister. She I won't go into it because it's personal, but she had a, a heart attack last year, um, same age as me because she's a twin. Um, so yeah, I guess it was always known that it was, was in our family. It was always like mentioned and talked about. Um, I did have higher blood pressure when I was a a bigger guy. I wasn't fit. I didn't exercise, uh, you know, ate and drank the wrong stuff. So the chances are that I was just, you know, playing Russian roulette. It was something that was going to catch up with me at some point, uh, due to lifestyle, not just genetics, admittedly and stress. Yeah. I was running a, a race down in Queenstown in New Zealand and I started to run about five kilometers in, three miles in. I started to feel weird, kind of like um, I thought I had like a virus or a bug, a flu, I don't know, really tired, really achy. And and I thought, okay, something's not right, but it's okay. It's like, you know, you've eaten something funny or whatever. 
So I kept pushing, kept pushing, kept pushing. I got to about 10 miles and my shoulder started to hurt. And I thought, ah, it's like I pulled something now. So like, I'm probably just, I'm sick. There's something wrong. So it's, but, you know, push through. You train for this. Do the work. Got to about uh, 13 miles, about the halfway point. Uh, it was a marathon, a trail marathon. And I, I could I was struggling to breathe, I must admit. I was sort of like wobbling a bit along the road, just not. But I didn't really feel it. I was so focused on what I had to do, the job, that, that I just kept going. And I remember coming up to a drink area, uh, aid station, mm-hmm. and there was someone waving at me like uh, with the arms like this. And they saw me weaving, and and apparently I'd gone like my color had gone out of my face, you know, Um um and and this girl like she was a, one of the first aid people at the the station she said are you okay and i said yeah i'm fine and then i just boom it collapsed and i sort of fell on her and off to the side and she was only like half my size i think and um and I just i was just gone i just collapsed and um i had an interesting experience there too um just everything I it was one of those moments where I knew everything was okay and it didn't matter what happened. Uh, I can't explain it. I can't put it into words. I can't do it justice. But, and I'm not saying I, I anything, it's probably just a lack of oxygen to the brain, you know? I, I don't know. But I, I like to give, I don't know, I don't, I can't, I don't even like to say give meaning to it. It was just what it was mm-hmm. and i've learned to embrace it and accept it almost like it was just part of the path huh is all it's what it sounds like to me yeah it was part of the path and, and i experienced something that that i i realized that no matter what happens in our lives that 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 passing or 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 whatever happens is i just had a feeling of complete it's it's going to be okay no matter wow. what happens that's all I could. I can't even put it into words. It's. It's. Yeah. I'll. I'll. I'll have to think. I have to find it. It's. It's something I can't explain. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um. I. I came to the. The person was the. The girl was putting like uh, trying to feel my pulse. And I remember saying, "You've got no pulse. There's no pulse." And I'm like, "No, I'm fine." And I sort of set up. Um. And she was like, like this, and. And she was saying, well, I've just called the ambulance. There's like, there's something seriously wrong with you. And I was like, I feel okay. And I said, can I have some water? Because I'm like thirsty, dry. I can't really breathe so well. So I had some water. I was sort of like, okay, okay. Okay, that was strange. But okay, I don't feel right. But And I went to like sort of get up and then I fell down again. I just had, there was just, yeah. And then the ambulance turned up. They came across, put me on a stretcher, um, plugged me into the machines, and they said, oh, damn, um, like, like that's like super crazy, your heart, the, the whole lot of things were out, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, I can't remember the exact technical terms, forgive me. I actually wasn't so like super lucid at the time either. Yeah, uh, man. I remember one of my friends, this is one thing I do remember. I remember one of my friends that I, I'd, I'd run with for a few years and trained with. Um, from a, an early running group I've been in, he ran past and he said, I knew you'd do anything to get out of finishing. 
Oh my gosh, dude! Um, that gave me a bit of a uh, bit of a hard time about that. Um, uh, he actually apologized afterwards. He said, "Oh, I didn't actually realize like it was you know." Dude, that's um, no, that's just New that's New Zealand. Uh, that's yeah, the way totally, the friendships work. I would expect no less, man. That's a complete Kiwi thing. If you've ever spent time in New Zealand, it's it's like yeah, we we kind of make a bit of a joke of death or, or serious situation in yep. some way. Uh, and it's done in a, in a completely loving and caring way. Okay, so, yeah, they put me in the ambulance, the light's on, and I said, well, I have to finish the race. And they said, we've, we've they called the, the race organisers at the end, and I said, no, we've pulled you from the race, that's it. And I said, but that's a DNF. I, I haven't had a DNF before. <laughs> and they said, well, you don't, you don't have a choice. And I said, okay. So away we went to hospital and they plugged some things into me and they there was a local country hospital and they did some blood tests, obviously sent them away um, to the lab. Um, it was a weekend, so they had to send them, I think, like um, to the uh, city, like a few hours away, a few hundred kilometers away. So those didn't come back till I think the next day, later that night or the next day, because it wasn't the, you know, like, middle of the day by then and it, everything takes time and of course it was a race so the hospital was pulling out people who had fallen over and other things <laughs> um and they said wow so your levels are like there's something they measure in the blood which is like muscle damage or tissue damage to the heart um once again forgive me for not knowing the correct technical terms and mine was like okay so that's like something's wrong something's like yeah messed up and damaged in there so they popped me in an ambulance, I think the following day, and sent me through to the cardiac unit in, um, I think it was Dunedin. Yes, Dunedin, uh, which is a big city oh, for New Zealand. For New Zealand, big, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a town in most places, <laughs> but yeah, um, in the world. And they sent me through there to the cardiac unit. They did the, the angio, and they found that my two left arteries uh, had, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, arteriosclerosis. I can't remember. Anyway, the blocking or, and damage of the artery walls and, and all that. And they said, you're a very lucky guy. Uh, apparently they think there was a clot in one that, that had just like managed to let enough through to like, you know, I don't know, not destroy me. Uh, wow, man. Um, so yeah, so I had that, that operation. It wasn't open heart surgery guys. There's no scar. It's, it, this is something I want to make, um, to make quite clear too, that the treatment of heart disease or like the, of the arteries is so good nowadays. It's a, it's a, it's a minor procedure. Like I'll be honest with you. It's not like a death sentence. It's not like you anything. They, they put you in, you're out in a few days and, and away you go. You know, I'm not saying you return to like, maybe normal life straight away. There's obviously you have to be a little careful. But, yeah, they, they said, yeah, you, you're very lucky, you're healthy, you're, you're going to be okay. But it was like a massive wake-up call for me. And I remember going out of the hospital afterwards because it wasn't the city I lived in, and I had to fly back home, although they didn't want me to. They said you can't go on a plane after having that kind of um, surgery. But I took the risk. Okay, don't judge me. <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want to sit on a bus for six hours. Yeah, um, yeah. It's like a 40-minute flight. So anyway, um, I've never been particularly good with um, – I do follow guidelines and I do follow rules, but 
yeah, sometimes I, I yeah, okay, anyway. Well, you, you just, um, you're not, you, you don't let, I don't, I think that you're the type of person that you get, I, I hear in your voice, you get front sight focused on a goal, man. Like, yeah, you're a front correct. dude, and, and it's like, you, you go back to that whole scenario right there, and you were so front sight focused on completing this race that your body was literally shutting down, but your yes. mind was so strong and you were so yeah. front sight focused, it's like nothing was going to stop you. And that's, I think that's probably just woven into the fibers of your being, Ian. And and you also don't let society's opinions uh, dictate <laughs> your time, your speed, or your direction. You're going to make those decisions for yourself. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that, brother. I agree, man. And and obviously, there's always, you know, like consequences for that. However, I think to embrace who you are as a human, and to be true to yourself and to, to speak your truth, if it's not going to, you're going to hurt other people and the people are going to disagree with you. That's actually part of the human experience. Mm. You can't agree with everyone. I'm sorry. Uh, I have to say this, guys, if you're a nice guy or a nice girl, there's nothing wrong with being nice. But if you are nice at the expense of not expressing yourself and who you are, it's, it's, I, I don't want to label it as, as a weakness or, or, or like a bad thing, but but you're not going to live the life you're truly capable of. You I think it. that's what I mean to say. That's you probably a better it. way to say that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you but, nailed it, brother. I didn't mean to sidetrack you, Ian. I just had to. Not at all, dude. Not yeah, at all. So, yeah. yeah, so I flew, I flew back. Um, obviously, we we monitored things. I was very lucky. I, I, I literally dodged a bullet, as it were. And I knew I had a second chance. Now, I wanted to say I came out of the hospital before I flew home and I sat in a, I think it was a Starbucks for a couple of hours before the flight. And I've actually got a photo of me in that Starbucks. I think I took a selfie and I don't know if I've ever posted it. Maybe I have. I might repost it because it was a pivotal moment in the, the, the earthquake was one of the first steps and that took me so far. This moment made me realize I actually only had one life to live. I had one shot. Mm. That's it. Yep. And when I realized, I mean, when I say that, one life as me, if you're a Buddhist, you might believe you come back as something, whatever you want to call it. One life as me. Yep. I have one shot. And they say, there's a saying that says, your second life begins when you realize you only have one life. And that was that moment for me. Um, that, that resonates with me. I realized I had an expiry date that at one, some point in time it would end and I have not embraced the things I wanted to embrace. I have not done the things I wanted to do. Maybe I hadn't, I had loved people for the wrong reasons, for selfish reasons, for reasons of people pleasing or to stay for the sake of society, for the sake of other people and other things. And those are all noble things too, but I wasn't being true to myself. And when you lie to yourself and you aren't honest with yourself, and we all do it, and I still continue to do it today. Don't get me wrong. No one's perfect. When you realize that, you realize you want to live every day when you wake up. You want to embrace whatever that day is. And it could be the worst day ever. It's okay. Yep. So that's not me. It's a, that's, um, you know, that is so, it resonates so much with me, brother, because it's almost like 
you have to come close. You have to come close to death again to have that moment uh, where you 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 have to understand what death is. It it's final. It's and it's coming. It's inevitable. But oh my gosh, if you the moment that you realize that, yeah, it changes your passion for the gift that you have each and yes. every day. And if I can take one positive from my career in the military, if, if one positive thing can be said about all the memorial services that I had to go to for my brothers that died in battle, it's that it kept me close to death. I, yes. I didn't have to be close to death myself I didn't have to have that experience where I was laying on the operating table nearly dead, but it, but I could see it when it happened to the men around me, and I took the lesson from that. And yes. you know that, that I, that's why your story, man, is that's why it, it, it touches me so close, dude. Is because I feel the same way. You got once you once you make that switch and realize each day is truly, truly a gift, man. It changes, opens your eyes. You see the whole world like through a whole new lens, dude. Sounds cliche, but it's, it's, it's a real thing, man. It so is. that was and your it, moment. Yeah. And it's your truth. I mean, you've known and seen been a lot closer to death than probably many in, in, in the, that have experienced in the world. Um, you've, you've seen probably the best and the worst of what people can be. Um, and I think that experience will touch you in a, in a way that, that you probably would, would struggle to explain to anyone that hasn't experienced it. But I certainly can see in the way you're speaking about it that it's given you a passion to use the gift you have of life. And that is the only gift we're given when we're born. We don't come into the world with, with money, with, 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 with all the answers, with all the things. We have the energy that animates our body. We have life, whether you want to call it a soul or spirit. I don't know what you want to call it. Yep. We, we have this and that's what we have until we die. All the other things are transitory. They come and go. So, so true, brother. So true. And so you, you go, this, this experience changes that perspective. Um, and I imagine it, that flame within you for your passion, I bet it went from burning like kind of blue to all of a sudden white hot to where yeah. it was so hot after that experience. I bet you, you probably couldn't even see it, but man, if you got close to it, it would burn. It would just burn you right away. So that flame just makes that transition. But you were you were also given a definitive answer, right, from a medical professional that, yes. that you could not pursue that passion anymore. Um, likewise, I was given that definitive answer by a, by a heart surgeon that I could not pursue my dreams anymore. Um, what yes. was your journey like after you got that answer and uh, how'd you overcome that to now become the man and do, doing the things that you're doing today, man? Wow. Good question, actually. Um, I think when it happened, I was devastated, but I think having what happened previous with the earthquakes and then what having, having the experience that I had with this had taught me is that, that there's no giving up in, until you're finished, until the end, whatever that way, shape or form may take. So I, I took it, obviously, I listened to the advice, but I started to look at what I could do to become fitter, healthier, stronger, better and improve my chances of being able to pursue this. 
I went and spoke to other cardiologists and doctors. Um, and I found a cardiologist. I think, I think she was Canadian. Don't quote me on this. I'm just trying to go off memory. Um, and she said, you can still pursue it. You can monitor things. You can look after yourself. But the worst thing you can do or we've found is to go back to a life of inactivity and taking it carefully to a degree. Now, I don't think when she told me that she had a mind that I was going to be doing the things I'm doing now, and I didn't either. Um, however, something I've learned is I would rather experience life at the limits and at the edge than be comfortable in the middle and live to a point where I haven't experienced those edges and those moments. Um, and that sounds selfish to a lot of people. They say, yeah, but what about being here for everyone that, that needs you around? I'll be honest with you, no one really needs anyone. I mean, a baby needs its mother and its father and, and, and in a lot of ways, and, and there's a whole lot of you know things we can say about that. But do you want to be with someone or have someone around that isn't truly living their life, or do you want that person to be happy? And and that might be whether they're with you or not with you or or whatever. You know, it's this is the thing about love. Love isn't about isn't about doing what makes everyone else happy. It's about living your life, your purpose. And and if you can do that and share that with others, that's an amazing gift. So yeah. The, the medical advice was that, but I got back on the horse, literally, um, started back training slowly, changed my diet, changed the stresses in my life, um, and it was a gradual process. It wasn't just like, boom, you, you know, you're there. Um, I, I got tested every few months. I think it was every month at first for six months and then sort of like progressed from there. And I remember my doctor saying to me, who was testing me during this period, after about eight months, I think it was. Could have been a little longer. Uh, he said, I don't know what it is you're doing. I would like to think it was the pills we gave you. But the changes in your body, in your in your temperament, in your, your blood tests is, is whatever you're doing is working more than, than what we've seen in the normal sort of like results, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, and that's continued. And I think that is the manifestation of pursuing a purpose with passion because you'll find a way it's not about reading every book and knowing the answers it's about looking for every last answer that's going to help you achieve what you want to work towards so i got better i then went out and ran um so that was 2000 and let's find 15 into 2015 i went out and ran a boston qualifying marathon in i think june the following year so about seven Seven or eight months after it, yeah. That's why I was at the doctors, I think, because I was getting the all clear to, to run it. You know, you have to fill out a medical disclaimer. So I did that, and then I got into Boston. And that was like a goal of mine when I started to run. Uh, I didn't realize I was going to end up doing these, these ultras and all this. I'd started to at that stage, but not fully express it. And I learned that, that, that we can achieve these things from a person that could, couldn't run a mile to running a, a, a marathon that you have to qualify to get in and you have to run it under a certain time to, to even qualify to, to, to turn up at the start line. So I don't want to make some trite thing to say that we're not limited or the only limits are the ones we put on ourselves. 
because it wasn't like some massive obstacle. I didn't lose both legs. I didn't like have brain cancer or anything like this. It, it was a series of small events that led to this, but certainly drove me to to be a to achieve more. I guess. Yeah, yeah, and so that right there is essentially what never quit means. I think a lot of people, when we talk about never quitting, they're confused about what that means. They think, well, maybe that takes some massive level of grit or mental tenacity, or it just takes something to be a person that never quits that I just don't, that that people think I just don't have that in me. No. So what never quit means is exactly what you did, Ian. It's you're, you're on your path, Something is placed before you that uh, would potentially stop most people. But what it means to never quit is all you do, you're climbing this mountain, you're along your path, that thing, that that, that obstacle is placed before you. All you do is you look for a new direction. You change direction. And that's all it takes to never quit. You continue to change direction you seek other opinions. You you try you try different things. You try a new route. You go down a new trail that you've never explored before, that you've never planned on going down. But you go and you give it a try, and you find that new route. Exactly to your to your vi- back get back in your place, man. That's all. Never quit means. It's so simple, man. So true. And I think you've related well to your your experiences and 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 the seals with that is. Your purpose was to continue with the mission no matter what obstacles or things came up. You had to change the plan sometimes and adapt. And, you know, what what worked or what was planned to work didn't work. So you had to adapt and learn on the go. But it didn't stop you as trying to work towards the achievement or the, or the, the goal of completing that mission. And I think that's the same in anything in life. That can be applied to to your work, to to running, to to like I said, relationships, to business, to to anything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And it's such it's such a it's such a solid lesson because for anybody listening to this, anybody that does listen to this, you know, you don't have to put such a burden on yourself when you speak those words out loud. I will never quit. Along whatever journey you're on, it's not a burden. All that means is you're you're going to adapt. Uh, you're yes. going to continue to try to find that route uh, that leads you to your objective. That's all it means. And then that that takes the fear away from making that statement, I will never quit, because it takes it, it – you don't have to be this tough guy anymore, man. No, you don't. Yeah. It's not about being an, a, 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 the strongest guy in the room or the smartest guy or the richest guy or the, the best-looking guy or woman. So it's not about any of those things. It's about moving forward towards your purpose in whatever direction you need to go to keep working towards it. And that sometimes means going in a new direction. Yep. And, and the purpose is still the same, but it's changed from what it was. And I think, okay, for example, in, in life, say you have a dog um, and you – you're nice to the dog, you're, you treat it well most of the time, but sometimes you don't feed it, sometimes you're a bit mean to it or you push it away, but it just keeps coming back for love. It keeps coming back, keeps coming back. It's loyal to you. It does what a dog does. It, it loves unconditionally, no matter how it's it's treated, um, you know, within reason, obviously. Yeah. Um, and I think humans are the same. It's like when you first fall in love and have your first love and then you, you break up, 
do you then say, well, I'm going to quit on love. I'm not doing it anymore because it's too hard. It's too painful. It hurts. Or do you learn from it and go into the next relationship with the lessons that you've learned and become slightly better in the next relationship and then maybe in the next one and then maybe in the next one? And maybe sometimes you get it right the first time and maybe sometimes it takes 10 times and maybe sometimes you never get it right. But does that mean you actually stop? That's what never quitting is for me. A hundred percent, brother. You nailed it, man. So, you know, and, and, and you're in your, you're truly in your lane right now, Ian. And, um, you worked to get there. You worked to get there, man. And I know, I know that it's, it's because I'm in my lane too, similar to you. And yes. it, it is, it, it didn't just fall into our laps. Um, nope. and, and today and every day you travel the world, man and pursue your passion and run, but you are still working. I guarantee you, you probably work more now than you worked back when you were in your old career, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like work. I think it's no. important for people to understand that. Like, give it to me from your perspective, man. Yeah, man, you're, you've hit the nail on the head once again. Uh, that is exactly it. You, when you have a purpose and a passion, are going to work harder than you've ever worked in your life. There is no cruise mode. There is no nine to five. There is no overtime. There is no holiday pay, sick days. There's none of this stuff. Now, I'm not saying don't take a break and don't have mental resets and don't take care of yourself. Not at all. However, when you are driven by something, you will eat, sleep, and breathe it. And I'm not saying it's in the form of obsession because that's unhealthy too. Just to pursue something without working on the other areas of your life it is unhealthy. But I think you can combine them into your passion as well. And you can say, yeah, I need to take a step back from this point right now and, and, and use some of that energy to do this or do that. That's okay too. However, it's, it, it is work. And I will never be finished this work. The day I finish this work is when I take my last breath. That is the day it finishes. The finish line isn't the next race or the next, um, I don't know, what business goal or the next relationship or the, the next um, uh, child or whatever. I don't know, I, you know, or the next car. Whatever you want to define is, is I've made it because there's this thing in society that, we see in ads and we see in, in media so much that's saying when you have the house with no mortgage and you all have an iPhone or a Galaxy or whatever it may be and you have a computer and you have two kids and you have two cars, then this is like you're going to be happy. This is perfect. And then why is it there's so many people in the world that have this and are uh, depressed, depressed, overweight, killing themselves? Uh, taking drugs and pills to mask a variety of issues and feelings. It's, it's, that's, those aren't necessarily the things that are going to make you happy. Finding your purpose is the thing that even that won't bring you happiness, but who you become on that journey will, it'll bring you fulfillment rather than I think this idea of happiness. We put happiness in this frame of reference, like a picture frame, I guess. And we say, when we have everything in the picture, then the happiness will come. Actually, the happiness comes each day with no matter what's in the picture. It could be empty. So that guy that runs his first 5K, that's his frame of reference for the day. But, man, you can fill that picture frame up. And when that frame gets full, 
it's okay to put that down and pick up a bigger one and look at it in a different way and say, wow, this has opened up a whole new world. I can now fill this with a whole new way of looking at it. Yeah, that's powerful, brother. And I think the, the, the thing right there is people that are looking at someone like Ian from the outside don't think that he's on cruise control. Cruise control sucks, man. Like, yeah, man. We, we are not on cruise control. We are getting after it. We are staying on. We, it's so important for, for us to stay on the ground level, man, and and just to, yeah. to keep getting after it, dude. And um, I think that's important for everyone to recognize that aspires to be maybe in the similar lane that you're in, Ian, is is recognize that and um, and embrace it. And understand it's not cruise control, and cruise control isn't where you want to be as a human no. being. As, as soon as I've made it and I think that, I've failed. It's it's game over. And and maybe I have to change my passion or my purpose. That is the same in everything you do in life. Mm, solid, brother. Solid. So, Ian, you're mm. you're 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 right now, brother, like we said before, you're in your lane. What is currently and moving forward, um, what are some goals that you have for yourself? Yeah. Excellent. Well, you know, I think in the whole era of 2020 COVID-19 world, uh, it's certainly been disruptive in, in more than just uh, running goals. It's changed a lot of things. Um, so, yeah, moving forward, um, I've, I've got some races lined up. We were just waiting on confirmation. We should know... Uh, later, or I should know later this week um, that I possibly might have something as early as August, um, which will be good. I'm running in Bhutan. I'm running a race in October. Um, obviously, this is all subject to borders and flights and things working out. Um, that's in the Himalayas, 300 kilometers in the, the Himalayan mountains between, I think, between four, 12 or 14 and 18,000 feet in the Himalayan mountains. Wow, man. That's quite an altitude, yeah. um, and we're going to experience a lot of different weather conditions. Twenty-five athletes from around the world um, running over mountain passes, glaciers. It's going to be an incredible challenge, uh, incredibly tough. Which, uh, which is something I just had to say yes to because I got invited to it. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you, brother. That's once in a lifetime. Could be. Yeah. I mean, an experience like that. That's amazing. Uh, invited by the the king uh, and the the king of Bhutan and his uh, committee that he's put together to do wow. this. So that's been a, a privilege. It's a privilege to do that. Um, towards the end of the year, uh, there's about yeah, I think there's about three races that are, are confirming at the moment. If things continue on the same path, um, anywhere from from um, Sweden to the US to obviously Bhutan to Patagonia, uh, Argentinian Patagonia, and um, I think there might be another one in the U.S., but I'm not sure yet. So that that's like um, race and, and goal-wise. Short term, I'm heading to Europe in about two weeks, just over two weeks. My, my visa in Chile has expired, um, and there's constant lockdowns here, so I've got some stuff to do there, some training and some work to do, so I'm hopping on a plane and going where it's summer, it's coming into winter here and uh, working through that and the processes around that. So that's there. 
Um, more than that, I think is just embracing the journey each day. Like it's everything's changed so much in the last few months in, in a lot of ways. Um, so it's just a case of like getting up each day, seeing what what's happening in the world, seeing what's happening with the the people um, I'm, I'm surrounded by, and where we're going, and what's happening there. Uh, I haven't got back to see my kids. Uh, some of them still live in New Zealand. Um, that's been hard. Um, you know, there's just a whole lot of things. Life is never there's like cruise. People see the Instagram, and I try to portray the the benefits and the good things in my life. Um, however, there's every day is a challenge in some new way, shape, or form. But this is also life. I could have these challenges working in a normal job and doing regular things. Nothing wrong with normal jobs and regular things, let me say. So that's, yeah, those are some of the short-term goals. Um, just been invited to a race in Romania next year in Dracula country. So that should be Amazing, fun. Amazing, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, dude, that's, that is awesome, dude. Sounds like a awesome uh future awaits and I, I know it's been an awesome journey this th thus far but man just what what awesome goals to have uh for yourself and opportunities and i asked you that question mainly to uh to get the listeners to understand it's important to have those goals it's important to have something uh yes. on that calendar man even in the midst of the times that we're living in right now where you know there's there's so many things that that could just potentially make you say, oh, screw it. I give up until all this blows. No, yeah. man, put something on the calendar that you can look forward to and strive exactly. towards it. And if it, if it, if it gets canceled, then it gets canceled, then stack something else up and, and you know, in the near future. So I knew you'd have, I knew you'd have a laundry list of goals because that's the kind of man you are, brother. I do. Uh, I have goals that are going to challenge me to achieve them. There and you go. If I have ones that are easy and I'm just going to be able to do and cookie cutter them out and knock them out and my sponsors pay me and I get some more followers and it's 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 like like you say, go into cruise control because you can do it in anything in aspect of your life, then I'm not being who I am. I'm not this is not the journey I started on and and it's not it's not me. I can't not challenge myself. Yep. It has to be something I think is going to be hard to achieve or seems at my limit of what I think I can do. Yep. Then I ran in the basement. I think I posted in my stories on my Instagram here because we're locked down. We're not allowed out of the building. There's nowhere to run here. So I ran in the basement. I ran one week. I did two, 200 plus kilometers, increasing by 10 kilometers each day. The next week, I ran a 100K uh, ultra in the basement on a 100-meter stretch of concrete in the dark. Um, well, some overhead lighting. But, but it's it's not to – I did it to support the people out there, to support the people in this city and around the world. But I also did it for me to not just sit here and go and run 10K each day and do my weight training and cruise. I did it because it was hard. Mm. Dang man, that that goes back to where you were describing life. When you when when Ian says the word life, he doesn't use that as like a broad, overarching term like most of us do. When he when Ian talks about living life, he's very specific about what it means to actually be living and experiencing life. 
like real yeah. life. And that's to me, you, you pushing those limits and staying on that edge. That is where you are experiencing that true life and adventure. Um, it is. awesome brother. Uh, my last question for you, if you could, for, for people that want to follow you and all that, for, I'm going to give you a chance to tell where that is, but, but what, if you could sum up your mission, Ian, it, your, your, your mission that, 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 yeah. that you want other people to know, this is what you are trying to accomplish. Could you sum that up for us, man? Just, just make it clear. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, it's, it really just comes down to very simply living the best life possible, living the gift that's been given to me. And and social media has allowed me to have a, 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 a format to share that with others and not share it out of look at me. If I wanted to just do look at me, I could work out more. I could bulk up. I could get a tan. I could, I don't know, maybe I could do something else. I could... I'm not selling you any product. I'm not selling you a, a $49.95 something. I'm not selling you a marketing plan, a training plan, a coaching plan. And and if I did, that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm saying live your life. That's, that's the foundation. It. Yeah, that's the yeah. foundation, man. I love it, brother. I, love it. I think uh, something my mother said to me, um, she passed away last year, or just uh, in, in a few weeks, it'll be the, the first year anniversary. And she said to me, the most important thing I've learned in life is kindness. If you can love and be kind without expecting it in return, it's, it's the most valuable currency you can have. And I'm not saying that once again to let people, like we discussed earlier, don't let people walk all over you. Don't be the nice guy, the nice girl, the nice whatever. Have your values, have your opinions, have your beliefs, have your boundaries. But basically, just be nice. <laughs> hundred percent, man. That's my, so that's my stance is, um, I did a little video on Instagram the other day about it. My stance is so simple. Love your neighbor as you would love yourself. That implies yeah. two things. That implies loving your neighbor and it implies you should love yourself, both of those things. But the foundation of all of that is love. And I think that maybe that's not specific enough for a lot of people. You know, a yeah. lot of people want to entice yeah. you into whatever the agenda is. Uh, yeah. in the moment. But I'm like, how is this not specific enough? If if we would all, as human beings, love our neighbors as yeah. we love ourselves, how would that not solve every single problem that we face as not only a nation, but as a global community? Like, yeah. you know what I it's mean? True. It's true, man. Uh, love and acceptance is, is like, kindness is the key. And I think you made a valid point there when you said, love your neighbor. But the second part, as you love yourself, so often in, in things in life, we say, I love this phone. I love my partner. I love my kids. We don't say, I love myself. You're right. Everyone goes, ah, ego. You know, you're full of yourself. You can't say that. If you don't love yourself first and love who you are and what you're doing, you can't give that to anyone else. Full stop. 100%. End of story. 100%, brother. Well, Ian, um, oh, I got to talk. I, well, all right, I got to talk coffee real quick, man. Yeah, man. Okay. I got to talk coffee. So I am I am a coffee snob. Um, our, <laughs> our coffee here in the U.S. is uh, pretty much terrible. 
yeah. pretty much everywhere you go, man. So give us some tips on uh, making a good cup of coffee and what goes into it, man, because I know you oh, are a dude. coffee connoisseur. Um, there's some quite good Colombian coffees in South America that are quite nice, but it's, it's a distinctive taste if you you have to like that kind of coffee. Like, to be honest, I, I'm such a busy guy that here at home we just have like a, 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 a small automatic sort of like espresso coffee machine that I use because it's a time thing. Um, I did used to have like commercial coffee machines where I ground it on myself and made it myself. I went to the local roastery and, and got them there and and did all that experience, but I found that with my schedule and with travel, it, it just became, you know, it's, it's easier to actually go to a country, for example, like Italy, um, and get an incredible coffee for a euro or two euros. Um, and um, I don't know what that is in US dollars, probably similar to a three, four dollars. Yeah, yeah. And, and you'll experience the coffee and the smells and the, the way it's made for that region. It's just incredible. So, yeah, that's, I think, Fresh, um, freshly ground if possible, roasted ground, uh, organic as possible, and made uh, in in not necessarily the area it's from because coffee beans don't grow everywhere, but but made in in not like a just a you put a capsule in a machine and out it comes you know and that's okay too. There's nothing wrong with that. It's not know? okay with me, man. It's not. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> But yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, um, I mean, some hotels, that's all they have. Yeah, but yeah. I think most, most places I travel to, one of the first things I always do is I go out and I find where the local coffee shop is and and I get a coffee just to see. <laughs> I do the same thing, brother. I uh, Yeah, I saw it on your Instagram there. It talks <laughs> about you being a, a, coffee, a coffee man and I'm the same way, brother. Uh, I miss the coffee in New Zealand. That's like when I go over there, I'm drinking coffee like all day yeah. because it is just so i mean just so full of it's like an experience drinking a yeah. cup of coffee over there can be even even here in the u.s man like coffee shops that are you know they have the espresso set up and yeah. this it's not the same dude we just cannot nail it here for some reason i don't know what it, the problem is yeah i, I hear you i, I there are certain parts of the US I think that are uh, much better than others when it comes to coffee. Um, yeah. I've struggled in places like, well, especially in things like airports, I guess, or transitioning through hotels. It's always like just, yeah, it is, you know. <laughs> um, but certainly places like Europe, uh, Australia, New Zealand, where you get those uh, artisanal or, or local coffee roasteries or brewers or or, or shops um, that source their products, Um you know, from these beautiful, amazing countries around the world, and and make it fresh. Yeah, can't be beaten, man. There's a whole other ball game for sure. Yeah, bro. it is a whole other ball game. Well, sure. Ian, um, where can people find you and follow you, brother? Okay, um, so on Instagram, it's probably the easiest one for most. Um, is Ian dot Morgan? Ian dot Morgan. Um, Facebook is just Ian Morgan. There's actually a lot of Ian Morgans on Facebook, but look for the one that's like Kiwi runner traveling the world or Kiwi in Chile or Kiwi, I don't know, wherever I am in the world. <laughs> um, the, yeah, it's just so Instagram, Ian.Morgan, Facebook, Ian Morgan. Uh, I'm not, I'm on Twitter, but I don't use it so much. It's not as, as big sort of in South America, so I haven't really used it. And yeah. I can't remember what, what my actual Twitter handle is. Um, 
And I think my YouTube channel, which I've only just started, uh, well, I started a while ago, but I've only done like three or four videos, but I will be producing some more content soon um, about some, it's going to be more like a format of daily talks or not daily talks, but maybe one a week about a subject. Uh, that's Ian Morgan Ultra Runner on YouTube. Awesome, brother. Awesome. And we'll be looking for the book. Um yeah, I hope you find time to uh, work on that because I feel like that's going to be a, just an awesome resource. I want to let you know, brother. You know, I've I've got to travel around the world and I've got to meet and talk to you know a lot of people. I've got to live a lot of a lot of life. And uh, this conversation with you here today was outstanding. I cannot thank you enough for being so generous with your time. I have learned a lot from you today, and you have encouraged me on so many different levels, brother. Um, so I, I, I want to tell you, man, continue mission. You're in your lane. I'm confident that the well will never run dry for you because I can just hear the truth and the passion in your voice, brother. Look, I appreciate it, man. And and like you guys will follow me. I'm quite honest and open with my journey and my story. It's not always going to be it, it, it's a work in progress. It's going to change. It has. I, I didn't plan on leaving New Zealand the way I did. I didn't plan on being in Chile the way I did. And I don't know where I'm going next or where I'm going to end up. This is the great experience of life is there is no definitive answer. There's just the journey and who we become on it. So so please follow along. Judd, don't judge me. Or if you want to, you can and stop following me. That's okay too. There's no problems with anything. I have no issues with it. I'm not doing it um, to gain popularity in any way, shape, or form. It's it's merely a way of expressing my journey. Well, I love it, Ian. And uh, again, thank you so much, brother. We'll wrap it up here. If there's ever anything that I can do for you or you're ever back here in this neck of the woods uh, here in the States, please reach out. I'd love to connect with you one day. So, um, Most definitely, brother. This I is, appreciate it. Thank you, brother. This is the 307 Podcast. Enough said. This podcast was produced by Your Social Gathering. We hope you enjoyed. If you are looking to increase your digital marketing presence or elevate your digital assets, check us out at yoursocialgathering.com.